0: So if you uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me this morning to Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. I want to share with you a few verses and some ideas, if I may, today about being fishers of men. And fishers of men. Luke chapter five, verse one. It says, And so it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of Yahweh, that he stood by the lake, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone away from them, and they were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down, and he taught the multitude from the boat, And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. And so... They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them, and they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Yeshua's knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Master. And for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and who were partners with Simon, and Yeshua said to Simon, do not be afraid, from now on you will catch men. And so when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and they followed him. Heavenly Father, Yahweh, as we come today, we are so thankful for this time, thankful Father for your word that you give us. And pray that during these brief moments, Father, that you uh, might help us today that we would open our hearts to hear the truth of your word and that we would be doers of your word and not hearers only. Again, we thank you for this time. Uh, We love you and we praise you in Yeshua's name. Hallelujah. Fishers of men, I've often thought above all the things that we're called to do. This is one of the things that I think that we're called to do. Who doesn't love a good fishing story, by the way? This is a doozy, isn't it? Go out and they they catch so many fish, they sink two boats. If I didn't believe what the Bible said, I'd wonder if this isn't one of those stories like we used to hear, you know? Every lake in South Carolina has had uh, divers at the dam of that lake, and catfish big enough to swallow them. Who hadn't heard that story, you know? There was one, they said there was an old country squire station wagon that had been run off the dam of Lake Hartwell down there, and there was a big catfish, and nobody could catch that thing. They said every time somebody hooked it, that fish would swim inside that station wagon and roll the windows up and break their line. <laughs> it's a pretty good story. Some fishing stories, by the way, most fishing stories, I think, by the way, have some bit of truth to them. Like, I've often told one about fishing in the big shark that I caught down at Folly Beach in Charleston, South Carolina, and I have embellished the size of that fish some over the years. It really was about two feet long, but in my memory, it's about, by now, six, seven foot, I guess, if I tell that story. And then there's some true fishing stories. I could tell you some you wouldn't believe, but I'll tell you one really briefly. My Brother and I were fishing at night one night and he had a little ultralight spinning rod and he had slung it out there pretty far and had it sitting in a rod holder and for you who fish you know what I'm talking about and he must not have had it in that rod holder real good because all of a sudden as we were watching the line got really tight and that fishing rod just shot out of that rod holder and it went about 10 feet out into the water and we saw it for just a minute and then it sunk like a submarine and was gone and I thought, well, that fishing rod's gone, but sure enough, my brother tied on a big old gang of hooks and weights and begun fishing around, not for fish, but for his fishing pole, and he actually caught that pole about 30 minutes later, and the fish was still on it. That's a true story, by the way. I know how crazy that sounds, but I just read to you, by the way, this morning a true story as well, and and I think there's some truths that we can learn from this, and I And I pray that this would be a blessing to you as we consider this this morning. I want to back up just a few verses. Uh, Luke kind of gets right into Yahshua's ministry. And here he is at the very beginning of his ministry, and he's calling disciples. But before that, it tells us, if you go back to chapter 4... He talks about Yahshua fasting in the wilderness and being tempted by Satan, and then here being rejected here in Nazareth, his hometown. And remember, he went on Sabbath day to the synagogue, and they let him stand up and read. And he read from Isaiah chapter 9 this very important, I, I say, declaration about his ministry sort of right off of the bat. Um, so this would be chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, and I'll share this with you. He says, and these, again, are Yeshua's words, uh, reading from the book of Isaiah. He says, the Spirit of Yahweh is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh. When I read that, I think this was Yahshua's mission statement. You know, you ever it, it, just about any company that you work for probably has a mission statement. You know, these are things that they that they say. Most of these things are full of phrases like exemplary customer service or whatever it is that this company is kind of setting out to do, and they, and, and, and these are sort of a guideline, if you will, that they go by, how they conduct business or what they are in business for, and so if this is Joshua's mission statement, it's a pretty good one, and as I read this, by the way, this is what I think with all my heart, I think that this is our mission statement as well, or I think it should be. Am I wrong? I think it should be our mission statement to go out and to preach the gospel to the poor, to set, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh. I think that's what we're called to do as an assembly. Preaching the gospel, use words if necessary as well, right? Um, but how do we do that? And and well, I think we have to be fishers of men in order to fulfill this mission statement. And by the way, I will also say this to you. I think about fishermen and I've known a lot of them and I am one and and, and I know from experience that fishermen are a lot of things. I know that they have passion for what they do. Uh, I know that they're going they're undeterred. We used to think, by the way, that the best fishing was in the lakes you had to sneak into. I always thought that was the best fishing. Boy, we were undeterred about that, you know. We were going to sneak in and fish for our life, depending on it. Of course, you know, when you're 20 years old, you have a little different perspective sometimes, don't you? Fishermen are willing to invest what they have. You know, good fisherman's got all the newest tackle and the newest gear and And, you know, they're always willing to go the extra mile, fishermen are. They're willing to try new things. All of those things are marks of fishermen. And by the way, for us in fulfilling this mission statement of preaching the gospel, we should be all of those things as well, passionate and willing to invest and willing to do and undeterred. All of those things we should be. And so... How then do we become fishers of men, or what can we learn from this passage of scripture? The first thing I'll share with you is this: I want you to I want you to see the urgency. I want you to see the urgency. look there in verse one it says, and so it was as the multitude pressed about him, Yeshua of course, to hear the word of Yahweh, it says that he stood by the lake and So I want you to get in your mind all of these people who are gathered around pressing about this great multitude of different people who have come to hear what Yahshua has to say, come to hear the word of, of Yahweh being spoken and being taught and he's already drawing great crowds in his ministry and and, and I, I think of the urgency of that. Yahshua knew of the urgency. You remember when he talked about the fields being wide unto harvest, he said, but the workers are few. Can I tell you there was a great urgency to preach the gospel in Yahshua's time, and we live in a world today where there's a great urgency for us to preach the gospel. Does anybody agree with that? I mean, I believe with all my heart that we are in a position today I think better than there's ever been to share the gospel, the real true gospel around the world. And, and, and so we need to, to first get a passion for the urgency of that. Uh, this talks about these people just gathering around and crowding around to hear the truth of the word. And I'm gonna tell you, I really believe with all of my heart that we're in this exact same place today. I think that there's people all over the world who want to and who need to hear the truth of the word. Rhonda and I are great examples. Well, I'm not a great example of anything, but we are examples of this very thing. You know, for most of my life and for all of my adult life, we were involved in Southern Baptist Church and, 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 we knew that there was a truth out there. We knew that there was something that we were missing and 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 it Brother Ferris read this morning there in that third chapter of second Corinthians. I hope you read that it talked about this veil that's over people's eyes, you know, and this veil has to be lifted and for us, that's just exactly what happened. We were looking for and searching for diligently the truth of the word and I think that there's plenty of people by the way who are outside of our faith who are looking in at us for the truth of the word I believe with all of my heart that that is true and we need to grasp then the urgency of that uh, uh, Romans chapter 13 turn there briefly I share this made me think of that when I talked about this urgency Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 14, it says this, and do this, do what? Well, he's given all these instructions about loving neighbors and all this stuff that we ought to do and serving Yahweh as we ought to serve, and he said, do all of these things knowing the time, that now it is high time to awaken out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed the night is far spent and the day is at hand therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light and let us walk properly as in the day not in revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust and not in strife and envy but put on the master yeshua messiah and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust he said it's time for us to wake up and realize he says our salvation's nearer than when we first believe, and I'll break that down to you and say this to you, we're closer now than we've ever been. We're a day closer today than we were yesterday to Yeshua's coming back, and if we really knew, if we knew that he was coming back on Friday, I can guarantee you we'd all get our hearts right this week, wouldn't we? Each and every one of us would. But I'll tell you what else I hope we'd do. I hope we'd not only wake up to the truth of that but I hope that we'd get up and do something about it because he said here not only wake up but in verse 12 he says the night's far spent and the day's at hand and and I think of that and this is what I think my granddaddy was one of those kind of people who he believed you got up at daylight or before and you got started on your day you didn't lay around and linger and do all that stuff to nine or ten o'clock in the morning and This is what he would say. He would say, you're burning daylight. You ever heard that? You're burning daylight. I'm telling you, listen to me, assembly, and I say this with all the love in my heart. We're burning daylight because there's so much work for us to do. And every day we're getting closer to what we can all agree is the ultimate end. The ultimate end is Yahshua is coming back one day. And I don't know if it's going to be in your lifetime or in mine, but I know this. I know we need to be ready. I know, and I know that if we really believed and thought that, that there'd be some urgency in our life about it. Does anybody agree with that? Boy, we need to see the urgency of that. All of these people crowding around to hear <laughs> the word. And, and uh, um, I think it's high time for us to stop looking inside the four walls of this place where we meet on Sabbath and look out into the world. Because the fields are indeed white unto harvest and the workers are few. And if you don't do it and I don't do it, then who in the world is going to do it? It should break our hearts, by the way, to think of the lost people in the world. It should break our hearts it said that, that Yahshua in that passage, and that's in Matthew chapter 9, where, where uh, Yahshua talks about the fields wide unto harvest and the workers are few. And that begins by saying he was moved with compassion at all the people because they were scattered like a flock with no shepherd. It moved him to compassion. It should move us as well. Okay? So first we have to see the urgency. second thing we have to do is this. When it comes to being fishers of men, we have to use what we have. We have to use what we have. Use the resources we have. Verse 2, there, Luke 5. It says, Yeshua saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone and were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Use what you have. Yeshua used a boat. And you can use a boat, I guess, if you want to. But I can tell you what you can certainly use. You can use whatever resource it is that's at hand for you. This is what you can use, And, and I've been reminded of that already so many times this week, and we'll be through the remainder of the week reminded of this thing. You can use your talents. You can use your talents. Yahweh has blessed each of us with some talent to use. We are, as we've heard already this week, we are the body of Messiah as an assembly. And, you know, not everybody has got, uh, you know, y- there can't be, but so many feet and so many hands and so many eyes and so many ears. And each one of us plugged into whatever place it is in the body that Yahweh has seen fit to place us in. By the way, it says that he's the one who chooses those gifts for us, but we're the one who chooses to use them, our talents that he's given. You can certainly use that. The second thing that you can use, I'll talk about using what you have. You can use your time. You can use your time. Not everyone has the same talent. I wish I could sing and play and do all of those things that, that people seem to make look so easy who can do it. I don't have those talents. But i tell you what we all have the same thing of. We all have the same amount of time, don't we? We may not have the same amount of years, but I can tell you this. I can tell you that today, Yahweh is going to give you 1,440 minutes in this day if you live to the end of the day. The same He's given to me This past week that you lived in, he gave you 10,800 minutes. That's the time that Yahweh has given to you. Here's my question to you this morning. How many of those minutes have you given back? How many have you given back? Boy, I'm so glad. It's Monday morning and I'm looking around and I'm so thankful for each one who's here this morning. I appreciate so much your being here. This is giving of your time And I also realize that many people have to work and there are people who at work today and and, and I'm not beating anybody up. I'm trying to be as nice about this as I can be. but, But this is what I know. I know for certain, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that there are some people who could be here today not to give me their time. I don't need your time nor do I want it. But they could be here giving their time to Yahweh. 1440 minutes that you'll be given today and let's say you know that you uh, that, that you're you spend you end up at the end of the day and you do a 30 minute bible study or a half hour prayer time or whatever do you realize that you've only given him 30 minutes back of the 1440 that he's given to you today I don't know about you, but I think about that and it just doesn't really quite seem fair. The math doesn't really add up to me. Use what you have, use your time. You can also use your money. Well, you know, nobody likes to hear anybody talk about money. But you can use your money, and I and I'm so thankful for those who do who invest in kingdom work. You might say, well, I don't have any money. Well, that's okay. You can use your prayers. You can be praying for the work that's being done, uh, the the kingdom work that needs to be done. I'm just saying to you, use whatever resource that you have. And by the way, if you have a boat that you want somebody to use for kingdom work, bring that thing to my house. (laughs) I'll take it out and we'll do a Bible study on it or something. Use your boat if that's what you have. Here at the assembly, by the way, I want you to look around. We have the nicest resources and the best things that anybody could ever imagine here, the best technology, the best talents and people, you know. And we need to be using all of those things if we're going to be fishers of men, and I pray that we do. Use what you have. Thirdly, Be obedient obedient. Remember Peter and all his friends were professional fishermen they fished all night and Yahshua comes and gets into one of them's boat and pushes out from the land there And verse 4 he says launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch to a professional fisherman that might seem like a slap in the face man I fished all night long We've been all over this late. They just ain't hitting tonight. That's what, he, that's what Simon probably would have said. But what we see is that Simon did exactly what he was told to do. There is always an issue of obedience. This is a thread that runs through the Bible from the beginning to the end. And, and I've said and continue to say that that the only part of this whole Bible that's effective to you in your life in any kind of way is the part that you choose to obey. Anybody agree with that? And I don't know about you, but there's some parts of it that I find much more difficult to obey than others. Anybody agree with me there? You know, I mean, I, 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 I think of, I don't really have any problems about, you know, stealing from people and. Murder, you know, I don't have any problem with those. Those are not the issues that I have. I, I, I had a conversation, Rhonda and I had a conversation with another couple here this week, and, and we were kind of talking about this issue of obedience. And, and we, were, we were saying, you know, there's some easy things meeting on Sabbath, that's easy. You tell me I can take a whole day and not have to do anything, not do any work. I can take a nap at three o'clock in the afternoon. Nobody's going to say anything about it. I can sleep late. I can do all the, man, I'm in for that. That's easy, you agree? You know, eating clean is easy. Ron and I were doing that for six months or a year before we even came into this faith. Eating clean's easy. Those are easy things my issue with obedience and again i always try to be as transparent as i can be to you my issue with obedience is not in those easy things it's in those more difficult things and and by the way i don't get caught up in in some weird and obscure passage of scripture you know or i I try to stay away from some of those things because I'm not an intellectual, Yahweh didn't make me that way, I'm not really a scholarly kind of person. Um, you know, my, I, I've said I, I put, try to put at least the cookies on the bottom shelf where everybody can reach them because that's the only place I can reach them, you know. So, so I don't get caught up in all those things that, that are so hard to understand. The truth of the matter, I have plenty, is I have more than enough conviction to last the rest of my life on passages in the Bible that are so plain and clear and black and white that anybody can understand them. And you see, those are the issues for me, for obedience. It's not murder and, and, and stealing and all of uh, My issues are, you know, are loving my neighbor and, and forgiveness and turning the other cheek Anybody pick up what I'm laying down? Those are the things that I deal with. But here's what I can tell you. I can tell you that that either you believe this book or you don't. But here's: you don't have the option. Listen to me. You do not have the option of choosing what you think is right and what you think is wrong. Our... Really and truly, our only response, if we believe indeed in our heart that this is the inspired word of our creator, our only response to anything that we find in this book should be to obey it. Anybody agree? Three people, right? I mean, that should be our, and and by the way, you know, let's, don't get all caught up in the bushes and the brambles and the stuff that nobody can prove anyway. Believe what it says. I, I appreciate Brother Ferris' prayer today, and I hope you caught it, and he talked about he was glad for, for his word that, that we would know the things that please you and the things that displease you. Did you get that? Boy, we need to be people who are obedient, okay? Launch out into the deep. If we're going to be fishers of men, we also might need to re-examine our methods, re-examine our methods. Yeshua, having just told Peter, launch out into the deep, Peter said, here's the response, Master, we've told all night and caught nothing. And again, professional fishermen saying this. But then he says this, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Simon thought about it. And and I, I don't know exactly what he expected, but I wondered if he didn't think something like this. Well, I've already been fishing all night, and I ain't had no luck. Might as well try something new. Might as well try it. He says, might as well try it. Sometimes we have to reexamine our methods. There are things, by the way, that kind of get in the way sometimes of doing ministry and being fishers of men. One of those things that gets in the way for us sometimes are traditions. Tradition. Sometimes we get so—we get into— a routine of doing the same thing over and over and over. Sometimes, by the way, it's for tradition, you know, maybe that's been passed down, you know, for generation to generation to generation, and, you know, and, and sometimes our, our worship and sometimes our our preaching and sometimes our prayer time or study time or whatever those things are, sometimes we get caught up into the traditions of doing something the way that we've always done. And then the other thing, I think, is sometimes talking about reexamining what we do, uh, sometimes it's not only the traditions that get in our way, sometimes it's just the downright short sightedness that gets in our way. Short sightedness. I don't even know if that's a word, but you know what I mean when I say that in other words sometimes i think we have to look outside the box this box that we've kind of placed ourselves in and our spiritual life in or whatever it is sometimes we get and i said earlier you know i think we need to for our for our assembly and this is not knocking this assembly i love this assembly but but i could say this at any place that we gather in the world that we need to look outside of the four walls or three walls or two walls or however many walls you got up at your assembly. Sometimes you have to look outside of this, you know, to reexamine what we do. Sometimes our short-sightedness just gets in the way of, of being productive. And I'll tell you, by the way, I like this. He says to launch out into the deep and put down your nets. Again, painting with a broad brush, but I'll say this. And again, I can say this in any place that I want to speak today. Um, I think for us here, and for people just like us meeting today, I think uh, many of us have just been fishing off the bank for too long. You understand what I'm saying? Fishing off the bank for too long. Yeshua said, "Let out into the deep and put your nets down." Can I tell you, if you're going to fish, you need to go where the fish are. Brother John tell you that he's a fisherman. Got to go where they at, don't you, Brother John? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with fishing off the bank. But Yeshua said you need to go out into the deep. You need to go where the fish are. And I say that to say this to you. It's not always convenient, is it? I mean, fishing in a bathtub is convenient. But it's not very productive, is it? Fishing in the bathtubs convenient, but it's not productive. We need to get off the bank, and we need to get out into the deep. We need to get past our traditions and our short-sightedness. Re-examine what we do, why we do, and what we do. We need to go where the fish are. People are not busting down the doors of this place typically on Sabbath. The lost people are not, you know, wanting to get in here. Probably not the case in any assembly that you'd go to. Again, I'm not beating up this assembly. I'm talking about in general. And if that's the case, and it is, then, then we need to go where they are. We need to go where they are. Quit fishing off a bank or fishing off a pier and let's go fish deep fishing deep causes problems though doesn't it (laughs) look at the problem that they had they put the net down verse 6 and it says and when they had done this they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking this is the part that I love and then they signaled on partners, and they filled up two fish, it says, two boats, and so many fish, it says that both the boats were trying to sink. If we're going to be fishers of men. We need to be prepared for this. Listen. We need to be prepared for unexpected problems, don't we? We need to be prepared for unexpected problems. By the way, if you're fishing, this is a pretty high-class problem that they're having, was not it? Catch so many of the nets are breaking, sinking two boats, and I look around our assembly. By the way, and there's so many things that I'm blessed by, and I think we we have here so many high class problems that a lot of people would love to have, don't we? You ever think about that? And um, I'm kind of like a bull in a china shop, anyway. But oftentimes on Sabbath, we're in the dining hall in there, and You know, I'm trying to work my way around through tables, keep from knocking over somebody or whatever. And inevitably, somebody's toddler or 40 toddlers are running around through the dining hall, and I'm trying to avoid them. And there's sometimes I want to say, hey, kid, move out of the way. But then I think this I think what a high class problem that is to have. You understand what I'm saying? Boy, they so many people would love to have some toddlers running around their assembly. You know, and here we are, we're blessed with them, continue to be blessed with more of them. I think about our youth and the people who work in our youth, and that takes a lot of resources and takes a lot of manpower and takes a lot of money to take care of those things. But, boy, what a high-class problem it is to have. We have to be prepared for those unexpected things what some people might call problems, we could call blessings. But there's also, uh, notice the method that they use for fishing. They're not fly fishing, they're not gig fishing. It says they're fishing with a net. They throw that net out in the deep. And there's a problem with fishing with a net. There's a problem. Here's what it is. The problem with fishing with a net is that sometimes you catch um, undesirable fish. Sometimes you catch undesirable fish. I know whatever your target fish is, but sometimes that's not always what you get. Saw a video that was going around social media last week, this guy who had traps of some kind, fish traps, crab traps, I don't know what it was, but anyway, he pulled them up on his boat and he opened one of these traps up and there was this lion-headed eel inside that. Have you ever seen one of those? It's like one of the scariest-looking things I've ever seen in my life. It was inside that trap. Boy, that was an undesirable catch for him, wasn't it? And yet for us, if we... Throwing that out like we're commanded to do, try to be fishers of men. Can I tell you, sometimes the fish that we catch may not be what you want or expect to catch. You understand what I'm saying? Because we really want to catch fish that are like us. We love people, don't we? Everybody in here that loves people, raise your hand. 12, 13, 15. Most of us love people. Most of y'all, y'all were looking around to see who's was going to raise their hand. Um, can I say to you with all love in my heart, if you raised your hand and said you love people, can I tell you that you don't have the right just to love the kind of people that you want to love? Anybody hear me? You don't have the right to love the kind of people that you want to love. We sing songs about Yahweh's great love. We sang one today, and, and, and I, I, I hope when you sing those songs and you hear those lyrics, I hope, boy, that's really resonating in your heart and in your spirit, because we are indeed called to love people, just like Yahweh loves people, and we're called to love all people. Listen, not people that look like you, that just talk like you, that dress like you. Not people that have the same political uh, uh, influence or political feelings that you have. You know, not just people that that listen to the same kind of music that you listen to or that worship the same way that you do. Uh, Beloved, we are called to love people. People of all races, people of all color, people of all tongues. And if you don't believe that, I think you need to read the Bible. I think you need to read the Bible. And you can either read the beginning or you can read the end, but the message is the same. In the beginning, it says that Yahweh made all these, He said He made he made, uh, fishes each after its own kind. Let me tell you what that means, each after its own kind. He made all kinds. He made flying things each after its own kind. Let me tell you what that means. He made all kinds. He made creeping things each after its own kind. He made all kinds of them. Okay? All, these, all this great diversity that Yahweh made into his creation, do you not think for half a second that when he made man that he stopped that? I'm telling you, he made man in his own image, it says, and that's his likeness. Boy, there's two words that you can spend a whole lot of time looking at and studying and trying to understand. He made us all, each and every one, We ought to love people as he loves. By the way, if you don't like the beginning, you can read at the end. If you go to Revelation chapter 7, it says this. You don't have to go there. Trust me, this is what it says. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number. Of all nations, you get that? Of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands. Sometimes we catch people that we don't want to catch. Sometimes our net is just too wide. Fishers of men, we have to be prepared for those things. If we're going to be fishers of men, we have to partner with other people sometimes. Having caught all these fish, it says they had to signal to their partners to come bring their boat and come and help. again. What a high-class problem to have. Can I tell you, you can't do it all on your own. This assembly can't do it all on its own. I can't do it all on my own. Sometimes I need a little help. Brother John, sometimes I need you, you know. Brother Ferris, sometimes I need you. Sister Rhonda, sometimes I need you. You see, we have to be able and willing to partner with other people we're going to be fishers of men. Have you ever have you ever worked for somebody and this is one of the most frustrating things on the job side, Have you ever worked for somebody who you had a boss man and hopefully you know he kind of gave you specifications of whatever it, does, it was that you were doing and you kind of get to rolling on that job next thing you know your boss man's over there You know, and he grabs something out of your hand because you're not working. He can do it faster than you. He can do it better than you, you know, and and just move out of the way. Isn't that frustrating? That is so frustrating, isn't it? You know, what we need to be doing is we need to be partnering together. And I say that to say this to you. Here's the reason. Because you're not all that. Can I say that? I'll say it again. You are not all that, and if we are indeed, parts pieces of the body, then it takes all of us working together. One arm's not a whole lot of good to most people, you know. If you had only had one arm, by the way, you'd need somebody else come alongside you and help you if you were trying to, I don't know, hammer a board or something, wouldn't you? One-arm roofer'd be pretty slow, wouldn't he? hope nobody in here just got one arm you think I'm talking bad about you. Don't mean to do that. I just mean to say that, that we need to be able and willing to partner with other people. By the way, and I don't know why it's so hard in ministry work, but boy, that's hard in ministry work to get that across because ministry work is sometimes so full of those A-type personalities that just want to do it all by themselves and they can't admit that they're really not equipped to do it all by themselves. What we should be focused on, and and correct me if I'm wrong, not now, but afterwards you can. (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong afterwards, but what we really should be focused on is not assembly of Yahweh work, but kingdom work. Anybody agree? Kingdom work. Now, by the way, it takes assembly of Yahweh work. It takes us doing our part. But boy, it takes so much more than that as well. Does that make sense? You know, we have to be willing to partner with other people. Fishers of men. Keep the main thing the main thing. Does that make sense? Keep the main thing, the main thing. Look at there in verse 10. James and John were there, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Yahshua said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Remember what Pharaoh read, all those verses from Joshua? Only be of good courage and do not be afraid. He said, do not be afraid. From now on, he says, you'll catch men. Keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, don't get distracted by whatever it is that would distract us. Our goal, our mission should be to catch men, to be fishers of men. And So let's not get distracted from that mission, from that mission statement to preach the gospel. I thought about Yahshua and Martha and Mary, you remember that story, boy, one was, boy, working, working, working in the background and said, you know, you need to get my sister to come and help me. What we know about that is this, we know that one was busy doing stuff, and one was keeping the main thing the main thing, weren't they? And that's what we need to understand, and we need to apply to our own lives here because we can get so busy doing ministry work that we lose focus on what's most important. Does that make sense? Our worship team can get so focused, I'm not saying they do, but they can get so focused on making sure every note's right and every word's right that they forget. What they're doing is not giving us a concert up here. They're up here worshiping their Creator and helping us to do that. We can get so tied up in Bible study or whatever extracurricular stuff we're doing, whatever it is that's keeping us so busy that we lose focus on what indeed should be the main thing, and that is that we should be fishers of men. We agree? Keep the main thing to the main thing. Lastly, and I'll be done. Lastly, be fishers of men. Two words I'll give you to end this. Well, this is not exactly the end, but <laughs> this is the beginning of the end. <laughs> Two words, very important. Here they are. Somebody write these down. Do something. Do something. Look at that verse 11, what it says. I haven't just said all these things. It says, and so when they brought their boats to land, look at what they did. They forsook all and followed him. There's a great big little word right in the middle of that. You know how I like great big little words. It doesn't say that they forsook most of what they believed. It says they forsook all and they followed him. Do something. If you really believe in your heart, if you can see the urgency of sharing the gospel, and if you're willing to use what you have, and if you're tired of fishing off the bank, and if you're preparing for the problems of fishing deep, if you're willing to partner with other people, if you can keep the main thing the main thing, all of those things, then listen to me. Then you need to do something. This is not a spectator sport that we're involved in here. None of you are called to come here on Sabbath and sing a few songs and listen to some words. I'm telling you what you're called to do you're called to be salt and light in the world around you. We're called to live lives that would glorify Yahweh. We're supposed to be more like Yeshua every day in our life. Aren't we? Maybe I'm reading it wrong, but that's just the way that I see it. And I also see so many people who just want to sit on the sidelines and cheer on somebody else while somebody's up there doing the hard work and the heavy lifting Listen, you're called to do something. It says they forsook all and they followed him. All. They forsook their family, their career, their friends, everything that they knew to follow Yahshua. I read this verse, Romans 12, 1. I love this. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of Yahweh that you... Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Yahweh, which is your reasonable service. It's the least you can do, he says. I'll say to you right in the middle of that, when it says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, you present, voluntarily give, present. That's what that means, your bodies. And when it says bodies, it means your whole life, your lifestyle, everything that you are, it means 100% of you. Does that make sense? There was a burger joint back home that we used to go to, and they came out some years ago with this, and this was before Angus Burger was a thing, you know. I didn't even know what an Angus Burger was. Anyway, Angus Burger, boy, they came out with, and they had these big signs and all this stuff, and we were sitting in there one day, and there was at the bottom of one of those big window signs a kind of a little asterisk, and in tiny little print, this is what it said. It said that this burger was 98% Angus beef. The 98%, Brother Gary, ain't what worried me. What worried me was, what was the other 2%? You see, can I tell you, there's a difference between 98% and 100%. Anybody get where I'm going with this? We are to present our bodies 100% to Yahweh for His service. That's the least that we can do. These four fishermen forsook all, and they followed Him, and I... Pray that you would as well. That's the least that we can do to be fishers of men. Yahweh bless you today and good luck fishing.